Welcome to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. I'm Chris Danielson. My best friend and bride, Emily, is out today. It is midweek long-form teaching, and we go to a message that I gave about prayer, and we want you to be encouraged today. Don't forget, you can go, always go to BibleIdiots.com. Upper left-hand corner is an email address. Drop us a line. We're just glad that you're along, and hopefully this message blesses you. Thank you for joining us right here on No Apology with the Bible Idiots. In my humble opinion, perhaps the greatest need in the church is for more prayers. We need more prayer warriors. And when you hear the word prayer warriors, you know, I always think, well, that's probably, you know, the little old lady who prays all the time or the, you know, the, the deacon in the church who's, you know, the big guy. I mean, I never think of myself as that, but, but I am. And so are you. You can be. We need more believers to devote themselves to seeking the Lord's face in prayer. Now, I say this simply from experience, from watching ministries, churches, missionaries, and others who simply pray and then talk about how God showed up to answer those prayers. And I think of so many situations when Emily and I have been through and God shows up over and over and over and over. Did I mention over again? And the fuel in the tank is always prayer. It's always prayer. Story goes about two lumberjacks back in the day. The younger man with his vim, vigor, and vitality began earnest chopping down one tree after another in a competition with the older man whom he had challenged the day before. And so they would see who could cut down the most trees. And the younger guy's going for it. He's digging. Soon he noticed the old lumberjack is chopping trees as well, but once an hour he stops for 10 minutes taking a break. At the end of the day, when the felled trees were counted, the older lumberjack had chopped down almost a third more than the younger lumberjack. Uh, the younger lumberjack was kind of puzzled. And so he goes to him and he says, you know, how could you, taking a break every hour, cut down more than I was cutting? I went nonstop all day. And the older lumberjack replied, because when I stopped, I sharpened my axe. A lot of us are just like that. We spend our time chopping away in the Lord's work, never accomplishing as much as what we know God is calling us to do. And all the time, we're simply using a dull axe. If we do not take the time to pray, we can never expect God to enjoy, uh, we can never expect to see God unleash his power in our lives at the level that he wants to. If you have a weak prayer life like I've had and you see God working, how much more do you think he'll do with a full prayer life? And see, I waffle back and forth. You know, it's like my prayer life is, and many of you can identify with this, it's much like the way I use diet and exercise. I mean, I am Mr. Kale, Mr. Push-Ups. And I'm going to stay firm all the way through our weekend trip to Chicago. And then I smell the pizzeria. <laughs> I mean, you're in Chicago. Come on. You know? If we commit to it and find a discipline in it and find a love and a joy in it, it will change us. And it's not about growing the church. God's going to grow the church as he wants to. But it's about you growing in him. And it's about him using you in ways you don't even see possible. John Bunyan said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. 
James of Jerusalem, the half-brother of the Lord, said this in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It says this, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it is without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? If you write nothing else down today, because we're going to get into Luke chapter 11 hard here in a minute, go back and look at James. The truth is it's almost easier for Christians to do anything under the sun rather than pray. And that's a shame. It's prayer that brings us into God's awesome presence. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Therefore, let us approach the throne, of, uh, the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Duh. Let's look at that again. Therefore, let us approach the throne. of Let's go to God. Let's go to the throne of grace. And we don't come all timid. We come with boldness. That's our Father. So that we may receive the mercy and find grace to do what? To help us in the time of need. We need that time spent with him because it is God who answers prayer. You focus on this message today. You take notes. You go back and watch the YouTube when we're done. And I'm telling you right now, you put it in the whole of Scripture. You can never, ever go back to any lame, name it and claim it. God wants you to have that promotion. God wants you to get that car. God wants you to... No. How do you know? What God wants is contentment with godliness is great gain. You're just as joyful if you didn't get the promotion as if you did. And if you did get the promotion, you go to him to ask for wisdom to handle it right for his glory. See? There's a difference. It is that special time in prayer before God that marks the difference between mediocrity and greatness in the Christian life. I preached about being elite. You can't even attempt it without prayer. Let's stand for the reading of our text today and start the message, should we? <laughs> You're like, he's not started yet? <laughs> Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It's a little bit longer run, but we're going to read it together because I think it'll bless us. Here we go. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation." He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I ask you, 
So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father in heaven, let these be your words to your children now. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. See, first thing I want you to notice is that the disciples desired to learn more about prayer. And in response, the Lord lays down this pattern. It's right here. And he taught his men some lessons concerning prayer. And they are just as fresh as if they'd been spoken 10 minutes ago. I want to share some of these lessons today. And the title of the message is, Jesus Gives a Template for Prayer. And out of this template, you'll be able to see clearly, more clearly. And you hold on to it. Like I said, my friend, my pastor, wrote a book, gave me the manuscript before it was ever published. I sold this book at hundreds of events for eight, nine years before we ever met. And I knew this like the back of my hand. And yet there would be times when I'd just blow it off and go my own way. See, that's why we come together to worship. That's why we come together as much as possible weekly, and we lift up the name of the Lord in spirit and truth because we then grow. The Bible says daily in keeping with repentance, honor the Lord. So let's go to point number one in your notes. It's out of verse one, and it's how this template is pursued. How this template was pursued. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. The, they wanted to learn to develop an effective prayer life. They had a desire for prayer. Have you ever thought about why they might have desired prayer? Why they might have asked this question? Well, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus praying. And they noticed this closeness he had with the Father. And then they witnessed the miracles that he performed after prayer. I'll give you three examples. Feeding 5,000 in Matthew 15. Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9. And raising Lazarus in John 11. That's just three off the top of my head. They saw the power of prayer lived out in the glory that it brought God. And they wanted the same power in their own lives. The request is not about how to pray. But they specifically said, teach us to pray. Not how, to. That's part of the template. That's part of the structure. It is to pray. It can be a prayer walk. We got the stuff. It can be coming in here at 930. We got the furnace room. It can be on your own throughout the week. John Bunyan said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Let me hit you with that again. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer should be our first resort, our first priority, how we need to beg God for a burden to pray. So Chris, you're saying we need to go to God in prayer to ask that he helps us want to pray. Yeah. They remembered John the Baptist in this first verse. 
They remembered his prayer life. They saw his prayers result in God being honored and glorified. And these men had a profound desire, and they had a right motive. Motive's huge. I process a lot of stuff through motive. And it's usually better when you do. See, it doesn't matter what we actually do. When we stand before God, if we're all standing before God in 15 minutes, let me tell you what's going to happen. All of our motives are going to be tried by fire. And either it's going to be purified like gold or it's going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. That's what the scriptures say. You see, the proper motive for prayer is not to get our will done in heaven, but it's to get God's will done in earth through us. Jot down 1 Corinthians 10.31. Look it up later. 1 Corinthians 10.31. A proper motive is absolutely necessary if prayer is to be effective. And I hear these heretical preachers binding and loosening, binding and loosening, bind here on earth, it's bound in heaven. I'm binding God that I'm getting the promotion and getting the new car. No, that's dumb. That's ignorant. That is blowing out of your mind God's potential will for your life with contentment, with godliness is great gain. And instead, you're trying to bind and loosen your will. It's God's will that we seek. Is binding and loosening a real thing? Absolutely. Don't ever forget, Satan can counterfeit anything. And if you're binding and loosening for your own personal gain to get your own will, go back to what I read in James chapter 4 to start the message. Let that knock you around a little bit. Maybe you'll come too. Too often, we spend our time in prayer seeking a change in our circumstances. In truth, we need a profound change in character. And for point one, I'll force gump that. That's all I have to say about that. Let's go on to point two. I could go on about that for a long time. Let's go to point two. How this template is explained. How this template is explained. You look at verses two through four through our text. He explains it whenever you pray, say, all the way through. And we've made that into what's called the Lord's Prayer. Others it refers to as the Disciples' Prayer. But it really is the model prayer. There are several elements of successful praying. Jesus mentions them here. This is not a prayer that is to be prayed repetitiously, okay? It is a skeleton by which we build around our prayer. I am a big fan of the Lord's Prayer and saying it together, especially as a a congregation. That might be something we can close our services with in the future. I don't know. But understand what it is. It's a skeleton. It's a model prayer. It's framework that is the weight of what we hang our prayers on that is what? pleasing to the Lord. Notice some elements of that prayer ought to include. I'm going to give you eight of them, okay? And this is my scholarly find of the week, and I don't even know who wrote this, but you know how the pastors have to have everything start with the first letter? You know, every point has to have the same letter. Here we're going to the letter R. (laughs) Eight of them, eight R words, And I'm just going to hit you with them, and then I'll go back and explain each one. Resting, reverence, uh, reigning, releasing, relying, rejoicing, resigning, and requesting. All right, not necessarily in that order. Here we go. Prayer is about resting. Our Father, which art in heaven, uh, who he is and what he can do. 
Prayer doesn't change anything, but God changes stuff. God does it. He's our Father in 1 John 3, 1 through 2. If I hit you with a bunch of scriptures here and you can't keep up in your notes, that's what YouTube's for. The YouTube video of this message will be up an hour from now. And you know what you can do? You can rest in that relationship. This might come as a shock to some of you, especially you visitors, but I'm kind of high strung. (laughs) My wife is dying laughing now. I need to rest in the Lord. I can't be a shepherd of this church unless I do. And the times when I don't, that's when mistakes happen. And prayer is about reverencing. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, I'll give you three verses to possibly jot down or look up later. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Ephesians 5.20, and Philippians 4.6. Always take time to worship the Lord in prayer, too. We, you know, too, we too often run to the throne room with our wish list, and we forget just to love Him and to bask in the love that He's giving us. Remember, contentment with godliness is great gain. What's contentment? That means regardless of your circumstances, you still are in love with the Lord because you know the Lord's in love with you. And do you want to pray against your circumstances? Absolutely. And you guys, some, you, you know I have a condition with my hands. I, I, I got it in July before we moved here. July, July 4th, uh, actually when COVID hit and all, everybody was doing that alkaline on their hands, my hands just blew up. They are calmed down much of the time, but it's still there. You don't know how many times I've gone to God in prayer saying, just heal them. Just heal them. And for whatever reason, he has said no. I've had good days, bad days, but it's still there. And now I am content that this is the way it is until he says otherwise. Because I want the great gain that comes from God. Contentment, resting, reverencing in our prayer time. And then it's about reigning. Thy kingdom come. You know, further your work and your glory, Lord. You know, just he's reigning for the church, for the saints, for the lost. Prayer allows us to participate in God's work around us and around the world. You support missionaries when you support Lifehouse Church, and it'll always be that way as long as I'm here because that's, that, that's what we have to have. We have to send it out. Clergy was visiting an old lady parishioner who was uh, bed-bound. He said, I'm sorry I'm late today, but I've been all around the parish. Why, said the old lady, that's just where I've been. But you can't even walk. Ah, said the old saint, You see, my soul isn't bedridden. I just go around the parish every day in prayer while I lie here. Prayer is about resigning. Thy will be done. Again, back to 1 John, this time chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Look that up later, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Whose will do you really want? Prayer is about requesting. Give us this day our daily bread. A few more scriptures. Philippians 4, 6 again, that's a big one. John 14, 13, John 15, 16, and John 16, 23. 
He will answer and often in shocking ways, in shocking ways. When Peter was in prison, the church prayed and God moved in sovereign powers to release him, Acts 12, 3 through 17, Acts 12, 3 through 17. Anyway, you guys, most of you know the story. And the Puritan Thomas Watson said this, he said, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Here's a quick answered prayer story. During a morning worship service in a certain church, a woman named Becky noticed a nice-looking young man sitting by himself in the back pew. And as a single woman, she had a vested interest in meeting this guy. She approached him with an extended hand and said, Hi, I'm Becky. He took one look at her hand and got up and bolted out the door without saying a word. The following Sunday, he returned to the church and found her and made his apology. He said, my name is Rick Simpson, and I owe you an apology for my rude behavior last Sunday. You see, my deceased wife's name was Becky, and I'd been sitting here praying, dear God, please send me another Becky. (laughs) And when you approached me, I lost it. Rick and Becky have now been married 11 years and are both very thankful for the way God answered Rick's prayer. Now, I was told that's a true story. I'm just going with it. Prayer is about releasing. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. It is a twofold message here. We are to release our sins. Another scripture that you can look up is 1 John 1 9. Not my neighbor's sin, but my sin. You release it. And then we're to release others of their sin towards us. Matthew 6, 15 and Ephesians 4, 32. I'd have them on the screen, but I got tired of making slides. Regardless of what they may have done or said to you or done or said about you, you got to release it. Now, that does not mean that you don't pursue truth. That does not mean that you allow falsehoods to go on in your life. Quick story, good friends of ours, probably one of some of the best friends in our world, we went and stayed at their house in May when we were on vacation. Uh, they were in Arizona, and this kid wasn't paying attention, and he came through an intersection at 40 miles an hour and T-boned him. And Renee was in the hospital. Mark had some damage, too, to his knees, but Renee was in the hospital with a, you know, just messed up, Okay. I don't know all the medical stuff, messed up in the hospital for quite a few weeks. And the kid was sober and everything. And, but the kid was traumatized by the accident. So Renee wanted to forgive him. And she wanted to know, uh, he, she wanted him to know that he was forgiven. So they approached the family to talk to the boy months after they were healed. And the family told him off. This incident is a trigger for him. How dare you? Now they had more people they had to forgive. But the effort was made to do the right thing. And when we make the effort to do the right thing in those circumstances, at a certain point, we can release it, whatever the circumstances might be. And for some of us, We have things from our deep past that is really hard to let go of. It's like pulling weeds in the garden. As soon as you got it all looking good, a few more just pop up and something happens and you think about this, that, or the other thing and you start to grind on it. And God says, no, come to me and release it. 
It's the healthy way to grow in the Lord. Two more, relying. Prayers about relying. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is another twofold request. It's a request for guidance. We need his guidance to make it through the pilgrim journey, but I'm glad he promised it to us. And it's a request for deliverance and victory. And then prayer is about rejoicing. From thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen, says the King James. A good portion of our prayer time is to be spent lifting him up and praising his name. Read the Psalms and hear the psalmist as it's lifted repeatedly towards heaven to praise his name. That's why I I really, I enjoy Bill's worship service because he's praising God. I worry sometimes he's going to drop over, but... (laughs) That's, That's not giving a rip about anything other than making his name great in this place. And many of you want that, and you've come to the right spot. You know how... Like when somebody preaches on David and Goliath, they talk about David taking the five stones and they do their little cute, you know, it's faith, F-A-I-T-H, all five stones. Well, we got some of that in prayer here. It's called facts. F, faith. A, adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication. I didn't write that. And I would move those around to an end. I, I, I think thanksgiving should be first. If you're drawing breath and you live in a free country, you start with Thanksgiving. And this week of Thanksgiving is an amazing thing to watch in the new millennium with Americans. Because we change it to Turkey Day. We change it to the... Read, go read Abraham Lincoln's proclamation. This is about coming to the God of heaven and his son Jesus Christ with Thanksgiving. I always wonder, what is the atheist doing? on Thursday. See, sometimes we pray about all these things and at other times it'll be addressed, but the things that Jesus commanded us to pray about, he will honor proper praying. He does. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. I covet your prayers. I, I mean, there's been so much chitter chatter around here about how we're praying for Chris, we're praying for Emily's leg, we're praying for Chris. That's gold, man. That's just the best. Especially when there's a, a fervency to it. Listen to this. Here's the quote of the message right here from William Lee. He wrote this. It is not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many there are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they may be, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be. It is fervency of the Spirit which availeth much. Last point today. Point number three how this template is released. The passage gives us some insight into the kinds of prayers that prevail with God. The verses teach us how to implement the pattern of prayer offered to us by the Lord Jesus. It gives us a chance to respond, and I'm going to give you three words, jot them down, and we're done. Okay, I'm going to go through all three of these, and then it's over. 
Steadfast, specific, and simple. Let's start with steadfast prayer. It is released through steadfast prayer. This is a promise of success. He will hear you and he will answer you. Just keep knocking. He will answer in his time. All the verbs are present. They're active. They're imperative. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. By the way, anybody have a little bit of trouble with the, with the text today when it talked about, uh, suppose one of you has a friend to him and goes at midnight and says to him, And then verse 7 of our text today, then he will answer from the inside, don't bother me, the door is already closed. And verse 8, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Let me tell you what that is. Don't lose this point. Because if you don't understand it, I don't blame you. I didn't understand it for years. Listen, it is unbelievably horrible in this culture to have someone show up and you don't have anything to offer them. That is the worst shameful thing that you can have going on in in your life. So you go to your friend and you say, I got to have some loaves of bread. I got to give these these travelers that are coming on there. I got to give them something. He's desperate. And so you're inside the house. You're not getting up because he's your friend. You tell your friend, step off. I'll see you tomorrow. But because he's unbelievably bold, he keeps knocking. And you know that he's really between a rock and a hard place in this culture. This is bad doings for him. You get up and you give him whatever he wants. Do you get the concept? Steadfast prayer. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. When we pray, we must believe God will answer. And it doesn't necessarily answer the way that you want it to be all the time. It's, It's kind of like... He's going to answer it the way that he sees fit, but he does answer prayer. Here's a story. There was once a small town that had been historically dry, but a local businessman decided to build a tavern. A group of Christians from the local church were concerned and planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. Just so happened that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church, claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible. (laughs) So the presiding judge, after the initial review of the case, stated for court record, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. (laughs) And it is released through specific prayer. Three loaves. How will you ever know unless you pray exactly for what you answer for? The the neighbor was knocking, asking for three loaves because that's what he needed to save face with the person that had come on a journey. He had nothing to offer him. The Dallas Theological Seminary talks about needing $10,000 years ago to keep the work going. During a prayer meeting, the renowned Bible teacher, Harry Ironside, a lecturer at the school, prayed, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please send me some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school, sent days earlier by a person who had no idea of the urgent need or of Ironside's prayer. The man simply said in the note, it, money came from some of the sale of his cattle. Our God knows. 
Lastly, it is released through simple prayer. He honors the prayer that trusts him like a child trusts a parent. God is not interested in our rhetoric or our powers of oratory. Oh, my gracious heavenly father, I beseech thee this day. Can you imagine going to your dad? Oh, father who works all day. Oh, union member father, I beseech thee this day. May I have a bicycle? No one does that. It's simple. It's easy. God honored by simple childlike prayer. The proper mood for prayer is one of absolute faith and dependence that God will do as he said he would do. Faith is the key that opens the vast storehouse of God's provisions and he pours out on humanity. Simply believe God and in faith, he will give you the answers to your prayers. If you ask rightly, that his will be done out of this skeleton. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Now without faith it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Matthew 21.22 says, And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is truth. But how are you asking? And why are you asking? See, this is where people, again, if you have railroad tracks and you just get off by one sixteenth of an inch, do you know that after two miles, you're like two football fields away? Understand this, our Lord, our God is not a genie in a bottle. We say it the right way, we do it the right, no. Abracadabra, boom shakalaka. No. Jesus has given a template for prayer for our lives to pray, and when we want to pray, that we have it line up with God's will for our life. Well, how do I know God's will? You know God's will. It's, it, it, if it lines up with Scripture, it's God's will. Well, I don't know if I should take this job or that job. Or, you know, I want to know something. Sometimes when you go to the Father in prayer through this template, you know what God says to you? What do you want? If you want to go here, let's go. If you want to go there, let's go. Think about your own children, those of you who have them. And they come to you and they say, I don't know if I should do this or should do that. And you know, either one would be good for them. What do you ask them? You say, well, which one do you want to do? You get what I'm saying? But don't turn this template into, into a way where you can get your will done and that God's just going to open the door of heaven, press down, shaking together. And if you, know, if you drop $100 in the box out there, God's going to give you $1,000 by next week. You know, I can't get my hair any taller, but if I could and be on TV and with a really tight suit, I could pound the pulpit and tell you to send me money and God would certainly bless you. I can't stand prosperity gospel because it's an affront to our God who came to earth as a baby that we're going to celebrate, lived a perfect life because I'm a sinful loser. And then he died a sacrificial death on the cross, had victory over death, hell, and the grave, gives it to me freely, and I surrender my life to him, and he wants me to come in prayer and talk to him about his kingdom and his glory with the temporal life that I have here. And I'm going to turn around and turn that into how I can use him to get my will and line my pockets? Are you kidding me? Scottish pastor Robert Murray McChaney said this, what a man is on his knees before God or what a person, a man or a woman, is on their knees before God, that he is 
and nothing more. Very true statement. What does it say about our prayer life together? We're going to pray together. We're going to be people of prayer. Life of pie is going to go. And it's going to be awesome. And I hope that you're a part of it. And I hope that you invite people to come and be a part of it. But if not, the remnant church, Romans chapter 11, look it up. If your prayer life is like mine, there's room for improvement. And I think it would be a good time for a renovation of our prayer life throughout the Advent season. And it can be simple. And it doesn't take a lot. You don't have to, you know, all of a sudden knock out an hour of your day and, and, and come, you know. Uh, no, it can be simple. I have a prayer chair that I sit in and pray in. And I like trying to get down on my knees, but the older I get, the harder it is to get up after 10 minutes. And then I use pillows, and that's a whole thing. <laughs> Bottom line is, Jesus loves us. And he wants us to be vibrant and alive and relevant. And we do that through prayer. Let's be a praying people. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for the template that you've given us. Thank you for the ability to even try to work out the template over the years. Thank you for the to, going to prayer, teaching us to pray. We just thank you for that. Lord, I ask that your spirit would touch your children here now much greater than these words or our efforts can do. Strengthen them throughout this week and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.